Praise God. Praise God. Been warring with something since I've gotten here. And I feel that there's a need for what's happening right now in this atmosphere. Ever since I arrived in this area, I have, the first night I got here, I went back to the hotel and I laid down and I had felt like the most God-awful fever. And I wasn't sick. I don't know where it came from. When I woke up the next morning, I was perfectly fine. I don't know what it was about. And uh, the very next day, I just started doubting my call, started doubting things that was going on in my life. And then I started having fears and anxiety come over me. I started fearing different things. I thought, oh, my God, am I, what kind of sicknesses do I have? And just stuff I never worry about. Last night, I didn't get an ounce of sleep. I was up every single hour all night long. I text and prophet in my life, and he said, last time I was there, I fought the same thing. There's something going on in this atmosphere that I believe the church needs to get dominion over tonight. I believe it's time to get that stuff put under the feet. I believe there's going to be intercessors in this room that's going to rise above that. But I believe that there is a vein that just got tapped into just a moment ago. There's a place of victory that God's carved out for the people of God tonight that we need to get into. And I would not have been even in tune with that had I not just had so much warfare since I've gotten here. And I'm getting a revelation of what you all are dealing with every single day. I was just, I've just been here for a few days, and I've been warring with it. And there's a spirit of a spoiler been released in this region that's trying to make you feel like you are not good enough. You're never going to reach this city. You're never going to be able to, to have the evangelism that you've heard prophesied from this pulpit. And it's convinced you that you're not going to have it. It's convinced you that your praise really isn't getting above the ceiling. It's convinced you that there's sicknesses and things and people are going to leave the church. People are going to die. And it's just, it's just burrowed its way into the soul of people. And I'm here to come with the people of God and come in the name of Jesus. And we're together tonight. We're going to come above that stuff. I believe there's something that God wants to release in this place. I believe that God is going to do something in our midst tonight. And it's time, whatever the spirit is in this region, the spirit of a spoiler is what I keep feeling. I believe that tonight we're going to get some deliverance over it. I want to, I want to minister to us tonight, and I, don't, I, don't want, I want you to stay in this vein. I want you to stay in this vein right now. But I want to minister to us tonight the difference between the spirit of Jubal and the spirit of Michael. That's two spirits that are always at work in every life of every disciple. It's the spirit of Jubal, and it's the spirit of Michael. And it matters which spirit we're listening to. It matters. And I want, I want to just minister on that this evening. And I want us, before we go any further, can you just lift up your voices one more time? The adversary has been lying to you. The adversary has been convincing you of some things that just aren't true. There's some fears that's come upon you, some sicknesses that the adversary has told you is going to come out to a conclusion that's going to equal death. There's some things that the adversary said the family you've been praying for is not coming back to church. The adversary has told you that it doesn't matter how many Bible studies you teach. It doesn't matter. This area doesn't want to hear the gospel. It's just a lot of lies. There's a lot of things going on. There's some anxieties. There's, some, there's a weariness that I feel in this area. There's been a spirit sent through this region to wear out the people of God. And tonight, you and I, we're going to partner with the Spirit. We're going to speak His name, and we're going to come above that stuff. I believe the Lord wants to elevate you above the adversary this evening. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever you choose to do in our midst, God, it's your business. 
God, I believe that there's victory in this house. I believe that your spirit is in this place. I believe that you're going to set your people on the cleft of a rock tonight, and you're going to bring them high above. God, I pray that you lift up every child of God, set them in a heavenly place. Let them see what the valley looks like, and let them see that the adversary in the valley is a lot smaller when we've been elevated to a spiritual place. God, take your people up to that high place tonight. Let them see that the adversary is not as large as we think he is. Glory to your name. Now, would you right now, would you just begin to exercise the victory that's been given to the people of God? Would you rest in his presence? Would you give the Lord just a hand clap of praise? Would you begin to sing his praises? Would you declare to him that he is mighty in power? He is victorious above every adversary. There is nothing in this world that has ever been able to defeat him since they've never been able to. That means they never will. And so greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you've already got victory. So we may as well be convinced that we are victorious. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. I believe the Lord's going to do something here this evening. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Praise God. You can return back to your seats. Thank you for coming here tonight. I want to minister what I feel this evening. I just, there's been something been wearing my soul out, and I want to join with the church, and I want to come above it tonight. The Bible tells us of a man named Jubal. He's a random character in the book of Genesis that we don't pay a whole lot of attention to, but he's very important to you and I tonight. Genesis 4, 19, it says, And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. And Ada bare Jabel, he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. It's important that we understand who Jubal is because Jubal was this random guy placed in Genesis that is just doesn't seem like he's that important. But when you look at the context of Genesis 4, you'll realize that Jubal was placed there in the Bible pre-flood. His father was Lamech. Lamech was the first murderer to really just write a song about murder and brag about it. He is related to Cain who murdered Esau. Or he's related to Cain who murdered his brother Abel. And now Cain great-great-great-great-grandson produces another murderer, Lamech. The word Lamech in Hebrew is king spelled backwards, and he is the inverted king. He has two wives. He murders a man, and he says, well, if God avenged Cain, then God's going to avenge me sevenfold. God's going to take care of me. I'm perfectly fine. And this was the father of Jabel and Jubal. Jabel, the Bible said, was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. When the Bible talks about someone being the father of, it doesn't mean that he had he birthed tents. It was talking about he was the creator, the originator of tents. This is why the Bible just calls God the father, because he is the creator of everything. And that's why the Bible calls the adversary the father of lies, because he originated the lie. And right here we see that this man is the originator, the creator of the tent. And his brother, Jubal, he was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. This man created an instrument to praise with 
while he was living in a home with a murderous father who was condoning murder, multiple wives, and he's saying that God's going to avenge me seven times sevenfold. He is living under the leadership of an inverted king, and he is living there, and this man, Jubal, creates the instrument that you and I today use for praise. The very instruments that you and I listen to and we partner with when we worship and when we dance before the Lord, it came from a man who lived pre-flood in the home of a murderer. And this man living pre-flood is surrounded by the people that the Bible said their thoughts and intents were evil continually. And it's interesting to me that a man was living on the planet in a world filled with people who were evil continually, and he stopped in that context long enough to create something to praise God with. What's powerful is even in that context, in that world, with such spiritual debauchery that he was able to go into a tent that his brother made. And that word tent is the same word for tabernacle later. It's a dwelling place. And he would go into a dwelling place and he said, you know what would be good inside of a dwelling place? Some music would be good inside of a dwelling place. Let's design something to praise with. And you may not think that this is that big of a deal, but Jubal's going to crop up later in the Bible. Jubal is the root word for jubilee. Jubilee was the year where all debts were forgiven. All of the slaves were set free in Israel. And this was all to commemorate a man that lived pre-flood in a sinful society that was willing to make praise when nobody else was. His name would be forever remembered as everyone would begin to dance before the Lord. And they would say, all of our debts have been forgiven. And they would worship on the high-sounding symbol. They would worship him with the dance. They would worship him with all their might. Well, another man later on in the Bible who would understand the spirit of Jubal would also be given an instrument. And this man would be David. David would be a young man destined to be a rightful king, not an inverted king. And David would come along and he is wondering one day as he is inaugurated as king, he said, you know what I want more than anything? I want the presence of God back home in Israel. Because under the leadership of Saul, because of Saul and Eli and his two sons, we lost the presence of God. So I want the presence of God back home. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what I've been trained to do my whole life. I'm going to take the instruments that we got from Jubal, and I'm going to create something to praise God with because I want the presence of God to come home. You're seeing victory unfold within the Bible. So David sends a man. He sends his man out there, and he goes, and he begins to bring in the presence of God. And this man comes in, and he is helping lead the charge. And they come, and they build themselves a little wagon. If you can come over here. They bring this man. If they can just, if you can get you and just maybe a couple of other guys, if I can get you, brother, and let's see, if I can get you right here, that'd be great. If you guys can just come up here. If y'all can just kind of stand side by side. You come over, stand right here. You stand right next to him, just kind of face this way, and y'all stand behind them right there, one there, one there. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build ourselves a little wagon, and we're going to 
Go get the Ark of the Covenant back. We want the presence of God at home. That's what we want. We want to get the presence of God back at home. So let's build ourselves a little wagon. All right? Look how impressive our wagon is. Man, this is custom wood. This is the best wheels in all of Israel. Surely our efforts can get the presence of God home. Surely our little wagon can get it here. So they build their little wagon, and they go, and they get the presence of God, and they plop that thing right on top of their little man-made wagon, and they're bringing the presence of God home. And all is going well. But in the midst of it, the man that David sent to help the presence of God come home, he's out there, he's babysitting the presence of God because, you know, the presence of God needs babysitting. That's just how it is. So he's bringing the presence of God home. And wouldn't you know it that this wagon, this man-made wagon, hits a bump in the road because that's what happens with our man-made wagons. And so as he is bringing this thing home, the man's name is Uzzah, and Uzzah was the, the, the man in charge of the man-made wagon. And so they're babysitting it, and they're bringing it home, and this wagon hits the bump in the road, and Uzzah, which in Hebrew means strength, strength reaches out and says, hold up, let me help you, God. I don't want you falling off of our little man-made wagon. Let me put it this way. Our little agendas and our little schedules is how we're going to get the presence of God here. You know what, God, you need our wheels to help move this thing along. Here, what we'll do is we'll create a religious movement to get you back. Let's, let's do this with our own little, our ways. And who's going to babysit the presence of God? Strength will. That's how we'll get the presence of God home. And so Uzzah, which means strength in Hebrew, is babysitting it. But your little man-made wagon is always going to hit a bump in the road. We found that out during the pandemic real quick, didn't we? And so the pandemic caused a bump in the road, and Uzzah said, hold up, let me help you, Lord. Reaches out, touches the presence of God, drops dead. Why? Because God don't need your strength. He falls dead. The wagon is sitting there, and now it's just all, it don't know what to do because it don't have anybody to babysit it. And so the man-made wagon just plops right there and can't move another step further. And so David comes out, and the Bible says, how can I get the ark of the Lord to come to me? So David comes out, and he's walking around, and he's looking, and he sees his best man out there. He sees strength laying on the ground dead. He looks at the man-made wagon, and he says, well, my goodness, if strength can't get it back, how, how in the world are we going to get the presence of God here? How are we going to overcome what has come into our midst? The enemy has invaded us and taken from us the presence of God. How do we overcome the adversary if strength can't do it? Your strength is going to fail every single time, folks. Every single time. Your disciplines, your 21-day your fast, all that stuff, what you need is God. And so when you fast, you're getting God. You're not getting victory because of the fast. You're getting God, and God gives you the victory through the fast. It's not because of the fast. It's not because of the all-night prayer meetings. All of that's drawing you closer to the one who is capable. But this is always going to hit a bump in the road. And so now we've, we've got these Philistines that want to see us fail. The spirit of a spoiler is out there watching us. And and so David comes and looks and he says, how do I get the presence of God to come unto me? If strength can't do it and our little man-made system can't get it there, what will? And then it begins to dawn on him. I was made for such a time as this. The one thing I know best was what I was doing for Saul when those evil spirits were coming to spoil him. And when I began to sing and play, I tapped into the spirit of Jubal. And that spirit of Jubal was setting all of those spirits that were 
tormenting him. They fled when we began to worship. They fled when I began to praise. I'll do what I've always known to do. This was my moment. This is what I was designed for. I don't need the little man-made wagon. I don't need strength. What I need is what I've been designed to do. Somebody go and get me the linen ephod. And they go and they put on the priestly garments on him. And he said, here's what we're going to do. It's what I've been doing my whole life. I've been made for this. This is what I'm going to teach everybody who's going to read the Bible later. If I want to get the presence of God home, we're going to praise. We're going to get victory. I want to dance in front of every Philistine. I want to shout in front of every enemy, every adversary that's watching me. I want him to see that we're getting the presence of God coming home. And so every six steps, he would stop, and he would offer up the sacrifice of praise. He would begin to worship, and he would dance before the Lord. And before long, they would know about it. The presence of God is coming home. And sure enough, we don't need the wagon. What we need is the presence. We don't need the strength. We need the God of the strength. And as the strength is following us, man praising. Notice that that the presence of God didn't follow strength. The presence of God didn't follow the wagon. The presence of God followed the worshiper, the one that was shouting, the one who had victory. Notice this. He's dancing before it's even home. He is shouting before the thing even got to where he wanted it to be. He said it's six steps closer than it's been, so I'm going to keep dancing until it's even closer. He danced a little bit more, and he said, we made it another six steps. What we tend to tell ourselves is, I'll shout when it happens. I will shout when the presence of God gets there. You are way too late. You shout before it gets there. And some people say, well, if I'm going to dance before the Lord, I need to be in the spirit. No, ma'am. No, sir. You dance. You start in the flesh, not feeling like it. And somewhere in that, you end up in the spirit. We always start over here with not feeling like it. And it's always the best time to shout when you're weary, when you're wore out, when you're frustrated, when it doesn't seem like God's doing anything, and when he looks down, he says, oh, I'll follow them. They still believe that I'm capable of doing what I said I could do. They still believe, and they're expressing it outwardly. I'm going to set them free because they have released the spirit of Jubal into the house. Somebody's playing on the high-sounding cymbals. Somebody's worshiping me in the dance. I love that, and that's what I will follow. That's why the Bible says he seeketh such that will worship him in spirit and truth. You don't see anywhere else in the Bible that it says the Father seeks anybody. What he seeks, what he follows, is the ones who dance before him. And they say, the God that I'm serving is capable. The God that I'm living for is more than able. The God that I'm living for, he's not even made it yet. The miracle hasn't even come into Israel yet. But I'm dancing because it's six steps closer. And when we begin to dance, there's something that happens in the atmosphere. But here's the reality. If there's a spirit of jubil, there's also... It's counterpart, the spirit of Michael. Because as David dances, he comes into Israel. And Michael's sitting up in the upper room, and she looks down, and she sees it. And the Bible says she despises David. Look at that. It's so embarrassing. You're a king. We don't do this. Not one time did Michael ever pay attention to the fact that the presence of God was there. 
All she could see was her husband down there looking like a fool. And the Bible said that the way he danced in the Hebrew, it translates to a twirling motion. He was twirling before the Lord, dancing, and he was saying, it's finally come home. I've got what I wanted most. Did you not read my psalm that I said, this one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after. I want to inquire in the house of the Lord. I'm not a Levite, Michael. I don't get to go into the presence of God like the Levites do. I'm from the tribe of Judah. This is my first first time wearing the priestly garments. This is the first time I've ever been able to put on anything that the priest could wear. And this is the first time I'm actually getting to lay my eyes on the ark. Don't you dare despise me for dancing. I've been wanting this my whole life and I'm finally getting to see it. I never got to go into the temple and the temple's following me today. And Michael would look down at him and say, I don't care about the presence of God. I care about how you're making me look. Michael looked down and despised him, and he walked up. As he was dancing, she looked at him. She said, I saw you today. I saw you embarrassing yourself in front of all these women in Israel. And he looked at her, and he said, you don't understand. This one thing have I desired. I wanted this more than anything. How, can you, how is it that you saw the foolishness, and you forgot to see the presence? All you saw was foolishness? That tells me that you are pride incarnate. Because you didn't even see what was following me, Michael. That's the problem is we focus too much on what it looks like. And we don't look at what's coming behind it. And he said, if you would have seen what was following me, the foolishness wouldn't have bothered you. The twirling motion wouldn't have embarrassed you. But you... You've been raised in the king's home. I think you've been institutionalized, Michael. I think that you've been doing this too long. This isn't how your daddy did it, was it? This isn't how it was when Saul was in charge, was it? Well, I'm here to tell you that Saul's not in charge anymore. I don't care if you've been raised in the kingdom. There's somebody else here today. I don't care if you've been raised around this your whole life. I don't care if you've been sitting on a pew your whole life. I don't care if your mama did it and your daddy did it and you think that you just grew into this and you get to be a part of it now. No, this is for every one of us, Michael. Don't look at me like it's foolish. Why don't you look at what followed behind me? And he would look at her and he would understand that he would realize there's a spirit of Michael in this kingdom. And the Bible tells us that from that day forward... She never had children. Now notice the wording there. It never says that she was barren. There's a difference. God did not dry up her womb. The king was no longer intimate with her. She never had children because David didn't want anything to do with her anymore. If I can't be intimate with him, I will not be intimate with you. We must be careful as the bride of Christ that we don't allow the spirit of Michael into our midst because when we do, the church gets barren. Not barren, but God can't be intimate. When God is intimate with his bride, there's always a birthing. There's going to be a birthing of souls. There's going to be a birthing of prophecies. There's going to be a birthing of, of words coming to pass. But when the church gets the spirit of Michael a hold of her, then what happens is God says, I cannot be intimate with you because you don't want to be intimate with me. You don't like the praise. What Michael always wants is I want to live in the kingdom. 
I want to enjoy the benefits. I just don't want anybody to make me look bad. I don't want, I don't want to be associated with kings who act like that. This is what we were known for. This is what we were designed for. I don't have much use, and I believe that God don't either, for the people that just sit and watch. Here, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shoot shoot straight with you. I had a gentleman. He looked at me. He said, I don't know if I believe in all of that emotion. I don't know if I, I don't know if that's God. It just seems like it's a bunch of flesh and people are just out there shouting, women whipping their hair all around and all that. He said, it just, it seems foolish. I said, are you married? He said, I am. I said, do you desire intimacy with your spouse? He said, I do. I said, okay, well, next time you're intimate with your spouse, tell me how you would feel if during intimacy your wife looked at you and just said, is it over? Can we move on? I said, what would that do to you? You, See, if you're embarrassed by that, you don't have a revelation of the bride and the groom. And I'm not ashamed to talk about this because the world has made all of that disgusting and the Bible never did. He desires intimacy with his bride. And whenever the spirit is moving, there's something supposed to happen. I said, next time you tell me how it would make you feel. There is supposed to be something that takes place to where we are moved, to where something comes over us and we just say, I'm in the presence of God, and he's bringing about a victory, and I trust it. The presence of God is following after me, and something's about to take place. There's going to be a birthing in the atmosphere due to intimacy. I don't want the spirit of Michael in my midst. I don't want there to be some spirit that comes over me that says, I want the kingdoms, I want the benefits, I want all of that. I just don't want to look bad. I want to be in in this kingdom. I don't want to not bring forth children in the kingdom. I don't want to bring forth a birthing into the atmosphere. I want there to be intimacy. I want there to be something profound. I want something to be moving in our midst. I want it to be emotional. I don't want to just make it emotional by my own volition, but what I want is when God is moving in my midst, I want to reach out and just say, God, here I am. I want to be intimate. God, I want to be moved. God, I want to be part of whatever you're doing. And there's something about the spirit of Michael that quenches the spirit faster than anything else. But there's also something about the spirit of Jubal, that when he's in the room, he says, no, no, there's something else that's in the midst. David could not ignore the spirit of Jubal that was on him, and he was so in the spirit of Jubal that he was able to, with authority, look at the spirit of Michael and say, no, I don't care if you and I are close. I don't care if we're in relationship. I don't care if your daddy was the king for however many years. What I care about is all I know is the spirit came over me today and something welled up inside of me and the presence of God started following me home and that I cannot ignore there's something profound about this why do you think that Judah in Hebrew means praise and praise Judah has a son named Perez which means breakthrough 
Do you think that that's random chance or do you think that that was divinely written into the word of God? That a man named Praise would have a son named Breakthrough and Breakthrough would end up in the book of Matthew and Matthew said that Pharez was in the genealogy of Jesus. Without Praise, you don't get Pharez. Without Pharez, you don't get Emmanuel, God with us. There's always been a pattern. There's always been a system. There's got to be a Judah that brings about a Pharez and then a Pharez brings about a Jesus. That's why... David, through the tribe of Judah, was dancing before the Lord, and he just said, this is what our tribe is known for. I am from Judah, and this is what we do. This is why I was chosen to be king for this hour. I was the only one that God would trust to bring his presence home. Emmanuel always follows Judah, and Judah always precedes breakthrough. There's got to be a, a revival in our churches once again to where we say, I know that there's a spirit at work in our world. I know that there's a spirit at work in our city. I know that there's been something sent into our region to wear us out, but I'm going to show that spirit something tonight. Let me show it to you. Stay on your feet. Watch this. Jubal pre-flood. Could you imagine? He's roaming about and he's, he's coming home one day and he walks through the veil into that tent that his brother Jabel made and he walks in and he says, man, bro, them people crazy out there. Can you believe what they arguing about? I don't even know what Facebook is, but I bet if we had one, they'd be arguing on it. I don't, I don't even know what TV is, but I bet if we had one in the tent, they'd be arguing on it. They're crazy out there. And there's some dude out there building a boat. <laughs> He's talking about rain. Jabel, what is rain? I don't even know what that is, but he said it's coming. <laughs> and he's been working for like 30 years on that boat. And I'm like, bro, if rain's going to come, it'd be here. <laughs> it's been 30 years, my man. It's raining here yet. And he keeps telling me, save yourself from this untoward generation. And I'm like, man. I need to go to that tent. It's crazy out here. You know what? What could make the tent better? And he would sit down and he'd start whittling away at something and he creates music. And I don't know, probably he made a guitar. I don't know. It doesn't tell us what he made. But he plops that thing out and he strums it and he goes, my God. Did you hear that, Jabel? I don't even know what that was. I bet that was the key of... What, what you think, Jay? Well, G? That sounds good. <laughs> I got an idea. I think it's a revelation. We're gonna do some minor chords. Come on. We're gonna get them, we're gonna get them dark and moody chords going up in here. And then he starts playing that and he goes, nah, it's a little too depressing. I don't want to play it. Let's play something up. And so he starts playing that and he says, You know what? There for a minute when I strum this thing, I felt something. <laughs> I wonder why I was born with the name Jubal. Maybe this is all going to amount to something someday. Maybe somebody will get deliverance through what I'm making today. I didn't come up with this idea, did I, Jabel? And I bet you didn't come up with the idea of a tabernacle. I don't know. It was, seems like God put this inside of our hearts for this moment to show somebody later that someone in a world that is most sinful, pre-flood, can still make something to praise with. 
And he begins to play that music, and he says, you know, for a minute there, I forgot about all the, all the arguing that's going on in our world. And he plays it again. He says, you know what? For a second there, I felt a witness come into the room. And then he begins to play it some more, and he says, you know what? There for a second, I forgot that everybody's divided over ignorance. And then he would play again. He said, you know what? I forgot about all those things that were false. And he began to play it some more, and he said, you know what? I'm starting to fall in love with what is true. And he began to strum it again. And he said, you know what? I'm starting to feel probably what it feels like up in heaven. And he begins to strum it again. And I believe somewhere in that worship, he got lost in it. And he began to dance inside that tent. And he said, something has come over me. And David would do it again later. And as he would be playing, the spirits that were trying to come and torment Saul would say, we can't stay here. This is what Jubal made before the flood. When we were roaming throughout the earth and we were trying to destroy people and we were trying to devour them and persecute them. When he created this, we had to flee then and we have to flee now. This was divinely ordained of God. When we can get into a mode of praise, we put things outside of ourselves and we begin to dance before the Lord and we always start in the flesh saying, this feels a little ridiculous. This probably looks a little ridiculous, but something has to come over you that says, I don't really care what my neighbor thinks, even if they have the spirit of Michael living in their kingdom. It doesn't matter to me one iota what they're thinking of me because if they saw what was following me, if they saw what was coming, if they had a revelation like I do that Judah's bringing Pharez and Pharez bringing Emmanuel, they wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about a single thing anybody's doing. Hear me right now. Do you know how insane it is and how hypocritical we are? Let me show you the hypocrisy. I have been made fun of for worship by the same people, Christians, that attend football games. And this is not, I'm not trying to be cliche and use an old example. Because hear me. At a football game, they have got 300-pound men taking their shirts off and painting on themselves their team colors. And we go to the field and we're just like, you know, that's just, that's fan, that's fanfare. That's what fans do. You hypocrite. And you come here. Do you know why? You know what the difference is? I asked God, I said, God, why in the world are people okay with that but not dancing before you in the presence of God in a church service? And God told me, he said, because they're embarrassed by it because they can't see me. They'll do it for a team because they can see the team on the field and it doesn't feel foolish because they are rooting something on that is physical. And the people that are all put together and posh and dignified, they don't get mad at the people that are losing their minds at the team. They just say, well, they're just passionate about their team. But when we come to church, we don't give, us, we don't give that same allowance. And I don't know what's come over us because we come in here and we say, you know what? I'm going to worship God. And it's crazy to me that Lady Gaga can attend the red carpet event wearing a full slab of meat as a dress. Those of you who don't know about this, it's, it's, it's out there, okay? 
This is a musician, an artist. And she came. She goes, you know what? I want to shock everybody on the red carpet. I'm going to show up wearing a full-on slab of meat. And she went to a butcher shop and got all the meat and made a dress out of it. And she shows up on the red carpet. And everybody went wild. And they said, oh, look how creative. Look how brave. And you think you look weird? You think that you look crazy? They're doing this trash in the world and everybody's cheering them on for it. Look how creative you are. Who cares what people think of you? Who cares? There's a spirit at work in this region that has looked at you and they're waiting on this tonight. And all of hell is trying to stop the church from praise because when the church praises, they begin to prophesy outwardly that I believe what he said to me on my inward parts and I'm testifying outwardly in my dance that I believe what he said and I am dancing in advance for what he's going to do. This isn't you twisting God's arm to give you the miracle. You're not going to dance so that you can get the healing. What you're doing is you just say, I'm convinced of it. And even if I don't get it, they're doing this in heaven. So I may as well bring heaven down to earth. I may as well do what's going on in the heavenly realm. I want to be a part of that angelic host. And so they began to dance and people of God were always designed for this right here. I felt it breaking loose when brother Williams got up here and he was exhorting. I felt something shifting in the atmosphere and everything that we've been warring against and fighting against over the past few days. It's time to put that under our feet. In fact, the prophet texted me to Day. He said, you let those people know that it is time for them to get dominion over the spirit that's in that region. It is high time. Tell them that that spirit has been in charge long enough that now it's time for the church to rise above it. And when I was asking God, I said, what would you have me say to those precious people tonight? He said, you tell them to dance before me because that'll be the sign to me that they believe that I am truly above the spirit of that region. I wonder if somebody right now would get victory. I'm not talking without music. Would you just create your own jubile right now. Would you have an inward jubile that's manifesting itself within you? And would you begin to dance before the Lord and say, God, I believe what you've told me. I believe the prophecies you've given to this church. I believe what you said over my family. I believe what you put into my soul. God, I'm not going to be embarrassed by you. I'm not going to be ashamed of you. God, I'm not going to entertain the spirit of Michael when jubile's in our midst. God, I want to release that spirit that's on me tonight. And I believe there's going to be a jubilee. There's going to be some people set free from spirits that have been trying to hold you bound. There's some spirits that's been sent into this area that's been trying to wear you out and they need to get noticed tonight that there is someone above it. Come on, that's it. That's it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be too dignified. Don't think that this is crazy. Uh.
Brother Tyler, come up here. I want to help all of you tonight. Before you think that I'm just some preacher who's trying to come and just amp up the people, if you follow me anywhere, I go, I, I'm not the guy. I know all of the trigger words. I know what to do. I know what to say. I know how to say it. I know how to incite a response out of people. That's one of the things with preaching. I know how to get you to move. And I don't, I'm not trying to do that tonight. This message was birthed in the soul of a sufferer. This message was not birthed inside of a preacher who just said, you know what, how am I going to get the people moved for my own affirmation? I, don't, I couldn't care less if you shouted for me. I couldn't care less if you clapped your hands. I'm not here for affirmation. God has delivered me from that trash. So let me tell you where this was birthed from. You can come up on the keys. I want you to play something really up. This was about, this was five years ago, October 26th. Our nearly three-year-old son passed away. Some of you know our story. Some of you don't. Passed away in a house fire. Distraught, completely depressed, the spirit of a devourer came through the Holloway home and did everything in its power to annihilate us. I laid on the floor in a fetal position one night with the thought of suicide because I felt a spirit come into my room that said, if you take your life, you'll get to see your son for a fleeting moment. And I wanted to see my son more than anything. And it was enticing in that moment. I said, if I take my life, I know I won't get to see him for eternity, but it'll be for a moment, and that'll be enough because I'm so desperate to see my little boy. So, I entertained the thought of suicide. The presence of God came into that same room and said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. The spirit of suicide is a, a false copy of what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to lay down your life for me. He's asking you to throw away your life for him. He said, if you lay down your life for me, I'll give you your son back for eternity. And I said, that's a much better option. But I wasn't out of the woods yet. We had different people telling us that 98% of marriages that lose a child end in divorce. That's in the church, folks. That's not outside in the world. That's in the church. And I said, oh, God, I've lost enough. I don't want to lose anymore. So we're fighting through all these spirits. But in one particular service, now, you got, i got to be honest with you. I hated church during this span of time. Seven months, I couldn't stand going to church. And here's why. Because when the Spirit of God would start moving... I didn't want to do anything because if I worship God, I know you're going to stop praying for me. You're going to check me off the list and say, he's better now. I've been in this my whole life, I know. But I also knew if I don't worship him, the same people will think I'm backsliding. So I hated the pressure of church. Because I had people come up to me and say, oh, we're so glad that you decided to come back to church. And I looked at them and I said, what did you think I would do? You thought I was just going to walk away? But then I had other people say, you really need to get over it. This is not something I conjured up in my mind. This is what y'all said to me. And so I sat in a church service. Presence of God was moving. And I looked across the room, Brother Tyler, and I saw Derek Stewart dancing. And I said, well, yeah, of course you are. You just got married. Then I saw Sister Brenda Narcisse. She was dancing. Powerful people. 
I love them. In fact, Derek Stewart's a young man that I mentor to this day. Powerful man of God. But I said, yeah, Sister Brendan Arcees, I work at the church. She just got a raise. And there I stood. We lost everything we owned in seven minutes. I was left out on the street corner literally with no clothes. I was in my boxers before the world. Lost everything, embarrassed everything. And I said, yeah, of course you're dancing. What do I do? And I stood there just locked up. And I heard God started speaking to me. He said, stop looking at the height of the waves. He said, these are wave offerings. He said, no, I love them. I love the wave. I love it when people worship me and they sing songs unto me. He said, but you get to sing a psalm unto me. You see, a psalm is what you do when nothing's gone right. A psalm is you lament to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then you end it with, oh, yet I'm going to trust you. You see, in the American church, it's not been real good with psalms because we always get our way. You have groceries up the street. You've got what you really need. You may not have everything you want, but let's just face it, you're better off than third world countries. Let's just face it. We haven't done real good at Psalms. And in that moment, he said, you're looking at the height of the waves of the ocean. He said, you get to worship me from somewhere deep. And so standing there in that little pew, I just stepped out into the aisle and I walked up towards the front and I lifted up my hands. And I began to pray and I said, God, is this enough? Is this, is this okay? And he said, oh, it's looking good. And somewhere in that, I just began to just bounce on my heels a little bit. And I said, God, is this okay? He said, oh, it feels good. I'm following you. I'm coming after you. And somewhere I got lost. I got lost in worship. You can look at me all you want to. You can sit there and do nothing all you want to. You can sit there and be, be without child all you want to. And you can look at me and say, well, you're a preacher, and this is just what you do. This is what preachers do. No, ma'am. No, sir. I've been in the blowest of lows. I have contemplated suicide, and I began to worship God. I began to dance before him. And the whole time I said, this feels like it's in the flesh, God. It just feels like I'm doing it out of tradition, or it feels like I'm just doing it out of, of, out of know-how. And so Somewhere in there, God gave me one of the clearest visions that I want you to hear tonight. After I got lost in absolute dancing before the Lord, I don't know what happened. I don't even remember where I was. I got lost in it, and I remember seeing this clear vision. I saw the adversary of our soul. He was sitting behind this big desk. He had his feet propped up on the desk. And I saw hanging on a wall, I saw all of his trophies. I saw Judas. I saw men of God that fell. I saw them all hanging up there, and he was just boasting about them. But what I saw next is what changed my life. Coming through that back door, I saw two spirits walking in. And those two spirits walked into the office. And on one of them, it said, hello, my name is bitterness. And on the other one, it said, hello, my name is anger. And they walked in, and they had their head hanging down. And I saw that adversary. He stood up, and he looked at them, and he slammed his hand on the desk. He says, what are you two doing here? And I, I could feel hell begin to shake. It began to tremble as those two spirits looked at him and he said, we lost him. He is abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. 
He has gone into the realm of God. He has entered into a holy place. He has danced his way into a place that is above us. We cannot follow him where he has gone. That is what David was doing when he was playing that instrument. When he began to play that instrument, those spirits left and went back. And he said, we can't stay around the victory. We can't stay around the victors. We cannot torment him anymore. So you can look at me like I'm nuts. You can make fun of me if you want to. But I'm living today and I still have a marriage. And we still have the glory of God. Because God has taught us how to be victorious. Not by my own efforts. Not by my own volition. But I realize that when I dance, the one stronger than the spirit sent to destroy me follows me home. When I go into hotels and I feel spirits around me, I begin to dance before the Lord. And I say, God's going to follow me here in every spirit in this area can't stay around so go ahead why don't you go into the secret place why don't you abide under the shadow of the almighty one there's one stronger he's going to start following the praisers whatever God has prophesied over this church whatever God has said to you in the secret place why don't you let him know that you're convinced of it in the dance you go ahead and partner with somebody why don't you grab somebody's hand and let them know come on come dance with me why don't you dance before the Lord uh-huh. let's create positive peer pressure tonight let's have some positive peer pressure when everybody does it it doesn't seem as strange when everybody begins to do it you don't feel like you're left out Why don't you give him something from somewhere down deep? If God's blessed you lately, come on, you can give him a wave offering. But if God hasn't and you've been going through a season and you've been going through it seems like hell on earth, you get to sing unto him a psalm and you get to say, God, you haven't come through for me. You haven't done what I've asked you for. But God, I'm not in this for blessings because I'm not a gold digger. I'm a bride. I want from you your presence. I'm not here seeking your hands. I'm here wanting your face. I want to be in relationship. Come on, that's it. There are spirits in this region right now that are shaking because the church is dancing before the Lord. There's glory and victory coming into this room right now. your whole life i don't care if you've been raised in the church it never excuses us to get to a point where we won't dance before the lord praise him for the victory 
He's releasing victory on people that are weary, people that are wore out. God's releasing it right now. Don't take this message as God is mad at you or twisting your arm or making you do something. God's inviting you into his presence right now. That's all he's doing is he's inviting you into a secret place where he's abiding. strong if there's anybody in this room you feel like you have biblical faith I just I want you to raise your hand you just feel like I just I know God can do anything I want you to just come up to this altar real quick if you can just come in and just line up here I want some people right here and I want some other people in front of them facing them just just stand right up here and that's not saying those in the room don't have faith that's not what we're doing I just to some is given a measure of faith everyone's been given a measure but then there's other ones who have the gift of faith, and that's what we're going we're gonna to focus on right now. Okay, I want you all to turn and face the congregation. Now, some of you stay here, and I want the rest of you to go in front of them and face them. I want you to make just kind of like a tunnel, just kind of stand right here and look at them. Just you guys, you ladies can come over here and stand here and face them. And I just want to make a big, we're going to make a prayer chain. Just, just old-fashioned, I know, I know. If y'all can come over here and just stand and, and look at them. I just want to make a big tunnel. Just leave space in between right here. Okay, okay. Can some of y'all come over here and just kind of kind of complete the tunnel? Come right here. Now, are there any needs in the house? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's what we're going to do tonight. I want this to be the entryway. If you have a need from God... It could be physical, it can be emotional, whatever it may be, just you have a need. I want you to just come over here, and I just want you to walk through here, and I want these people to just stretch forth their hands over you, and I just want them to begin to pray. I want you all to make supplication. The difference between prayer and supplication is prayer means to wrestle with God. That's what prayer means. Okay, God, you've decided you want to do this thing. I don't like it, but I'm going to come into alignment with it, so I'm going to pray. I'm wrestling with the decision you made. We're not doing that. We're not going to pray. We're going to have supplication. Supplication is asking God. Okay? 
Now, Jesus did that. He made supplication. Is it possible that this cup can pass from me? No? Okay, well, let me pray. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. That's the difference between prayer and supplication. So all of you, I want you to make supplication. As people are coming through here, I want you to just say, God, you hear my voice. Because you're in the presence of God right now. I just want to reveal to you, you're in the presence of God. His eyes are on this room. His eyes are, are attentive. His ears have been perked up. He's listening to the voice of the holy people. So when you lift up your hands, these people that are coming through here with needs, just ask him, God, whatever their need is, you know it. God, take care of it. Take care of it. And do you believe that God's going to hear you? Okay. What he does, that's his business. But we're going to believe that God is going to hear our voice, our supplication, and he's going to hear the voice of the saints. And when y'all come through here, I want you to believe that God is hearing your brothers and sisters. And this is what the church is for. We're going to support you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to make supplication on your behalf because you're wore out. You're tired. You have needs. I don't want you to do anything other than to rely on their supplication. Okay? Can y'all do that? Are you wore out? Father, these are soldiers of the faith. They are here tonight. They've been faithful to your house. Now, God, be faithful to them. Mama, I want you to walk through here. I want you to support your house. All over this house, I'm going to praise my those of you that have strength those of you that feel it right now not everybody's able to because they're so buried in it like I was would you be their strength for a moment with the power of God that's on you come and support those that are hurting right now that are broken those of you in the prayer chain may have needs as well if you have a need and you're praying I want you to come in too Whatever your need is, we're going to believe that God is going to hear the prayers of the saints. And I believe that when you get on the other side of this, God's going to begin working. He's going to begin moving on your behalf. We're going to believe that tonight together by faith.
you are one of the ones praying and you have a need, I want you to come through as well. Those that often support people need support as well. So if you were praying and you were believing, feel fine. Feel free to go through it as well. I don't believe that this is miraculous. I don't believe that this is what we have to do to have the miracles. I believe that what's happening right now is God is honoring the prayers of the saints is what he's doing. God is honoring the prayers of people. When we pray for our brothers and sisters, when we begin to hold them up and support them, God honors that. This is not some trick where we make a line and people go through it and that's where the miracle is. Our faith is not in this. Our faith is in the fact that he hears the prayers of the righteous. God is hearing his people right now and he's moving on your behalf. And so if he's doing that right now guess what he'll do it again tomorrow he'll do it again next week God hears the prayers of his people wait till my troubles are over I'm gonna dance till the victory comes I'm gonna claim my victory in Jesus name and through him the battle is won although the walls seem ten feet tall I'm gonna praise him till they fall I'm gonna dance all over this house I'm gonna praise my Jesus till the walls come down I know there's victory beyond my praise so I'm gonna dance my troubles away I'm gonna dance all over house I'm gonna praise my Jesus till the walls come down I know there's victory beyond my praise so I'm gonna dance my troubles away I'm gonna dance all over this house I'm gonna praise my Jesus till your walls come down I know there's victory beyond my praise so I'm gonna dance my troubles away I'm gonna dance this house I'm gonna praise my Jesus till the walls come down I know there's victory beyond my praise I know there's victory beyond my praise I know there's victory beyond my praise so I'm gonna dance my troubles away I'm gonna dance all over this house I'm gonna praise troubles are over I'm gonna dance till victory comes I'm gonna claim my victory in Jesus name through him the battle is won although the walls seem thin feet tall I'm gonna praise him till they fall I'm gonna dance all over this house I'm gonna praise my Jesus till the walls come down Lord, I'm gonna praise my Jesus like never before. I'm gonna dance.
y'all believe in apostolic praise? You believe in apostolic praise? The word apostolic means sent. It means one who is sent. What we've done tonight was worship. It was praise, but it wasn't apostolic. It's not truly apostolic until it happens outside of the building. And there's a, there's a fourth wall that I feel like is, is God is calling, I believe he's calling all of us to break, but God's kind of commissioned me to be the wall breaker. <laughs> I was in California and I was in a storefront church, about 320 people in the building, busy storefront. It was right across the street from a famous coffee shop there in California, right next door. Sharing the building with them was a Hispanic restaurant. Next door to them was a, another uh, really popular shop, packed out parking lot. In fact, that particular Sunday, there was a line of cars wrapped around this coffee shop. And they were dancing. They were worshiping. I said to them what I said to you tonight. I was talking about Judah having Pharez, Pharez meaning breakthrough. And God just had me challenge them. I said, can you do what you just did in here? Can you do it outside? And they looked at me, and I could tell it just like water on the flame. Because they were like, it's pretty busy out there. I don't know if you know where we're at. And so I said, well, you're not apostolic then. The only time Jesus ever used the word apostolic he uses this word. He said, I'm going to send you. That word send in the Greek is apostello. I'm going to send you as sheep amongst wolves. It's the only time Jesus used that word. In Jesus' context of using the word, it was always dangerous. And we, we claim apostolic things, but we keep it in a safe place. And I've had to completely redefine whether I'm apostolic or not. That's why I talk a lot about dancing in the aisles of Target. That's why I talk a lot about at Starbucks, just feeling an unction come on me and speaking what God has said. Because I, I want to be apostolic. I want to do it in the dangerous places. I want to go out there and do it. And here it's, it's, it's good, but it's safe. This is sheep amongst sheep. There may be a few in here that are wolves in sheep's clothing. I don't know. <laughs> But ultimately, this is sheep amongst sheep. And so in California, they went out there and they started dancing in the parking lot. And I walked outside and I said, now, God, I need you to just prove to these precious people that this isn't insane, that this is, this is in order. Because it could be easy for them to feel like, man, he just kind of like forced me. It's kind of like that peer pressure. And now we're out in the parking lot dancing. And so I said, God, I said, just show them that your word is true. I said, I, I repeated what your word says. I, this isn't me. And no sooner than I said that, a man walked up, him and his 10-year-old son. And I kid you not, Brother Dustin, he looked me square in the face and he said, excuse me, sir, is this apostolic? And I looked at him and I said, as a matter of fact, it is the pure definition of that. And he said, huh. He turned and looked at his son. He said, there, it is, son. And I said, well, I said, why do you ask? 
He said, well, my son and I was in the line at, at Dutch Bros, the coffee shop. And my son looked at me and he said, Daddy, is that apostolic over there? And I looked at the 10-year-old and I said, what's your name? He looked at me and said, well, my name's Judah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting thing when Judah's curious whether we're apostolic or not. And something came over me. I was never more convinced than in that express moment. I said, oh God, don't ever let Judah ask that question of me. Don't ever let Judah ask if I'm apostolic or not. Don't let Judah up in heaven look down and say, is that, is that apostolic? So I want to challenge you tonight. Would you dance on your way to the car? Would you just dance your way on out into the parking lot? Get in the car. Just dancing your way through the parking lot. Somebody might see you. It's dangerous. That's what it's supposed to be. When you get home, would you dance from the driving, from your driveway to the front door? As they begin to play, unless, unless you have something else you, you feel to say, if so, say it. Brother Dustin, if you feel anything. Would you just dance on your way to the, the parking lot? Judah wants to know. I believe the world is beyond curious if we're apostolic or not. The world asked me a question. Is this apostolic? Let me finish the story. I said, well, come on inside. I said, let me introduce you to the pastor of this church. Walked inside with him. I said, Brother Tirso Gonzalez. I said, these are precious folks here. I said, this gentleman and his son Judah has asked if y'all are apostolic. And you got to know Tirso Gonzalez. He is apostolic to the core. He looked at him. He said, of course we're apostolic. He said, don't you see us out there? And my man started giving him a Bible study. didn't even wait. He said, have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? He said, no. He said, you came to the right church. When the world gets curious if we're apostolic, see, they would have never, that would have never happened unless the people went outside with it. Judah would have never asked. His father would have never came across the street. They'd have just gotten in their car, drove on home with a good cup of coffee. But no, they got an experience because the church left the building. And so I want to just break the fourth wall tonight. I want to come with the Holy Ghost and just crush the fourth wall. You are not just called to do it in this room. You're called to do it out there as well. Everywhere you find yourself, would you just... Be apostolic. It may not always be dancing. It may be a spiritual unction. It may be a word of knowledge. It may be a discerning of spirits. It may be a hand raise. It could be a shout. Be what you are in here everywhere you find yourself. In season and out of season, the Bible said. That's what Paul said to Timothy. He's, basically, that means when it's convenient and when it's not. You've done it when it was convenient. Dance your way to the parking lot. Go ahead. You're dismissed. Go ahead. Dance your way out to your car. Be apostolic. Be what you are in this room out there.